Father, thank you. Um, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being here with us and um, working through us together as a body. Um, thank you uh, that you care about us enough to do this. Um, thank you that while you are holding the world together, you are still here with, in this room with all of us. Um, continue to speak to us, continue to open our hearts and show us who you are this morning. Amen. <clears throat> so today is the Sunday in Advent when we reflect on joy. Um, and if you look around outside or as I saw on my Facebook feed this morning, um, the lights, the decorations, the parties, everything that's going on says it's time to celebrate. Um, it's the time of year when everything is made merry and bright, or so my wrapping paper says. Um, but often when we look under the surface, um, we're just playing at celebration, playing at joy because that is what we do, and it is what we want. Um, but it doesn't go very deep. Um, and so this morning, we'll look at what joy means in the context of Advent, because true joy doesn't always look merry and bright. Sometimes it's bittersweet. We'll consider how we can relish the sweet amid the bitter, share the joy that Jesus brings, and look forward to the day when the bitter is gone. And there is only sweet. Um, I'm going to start by being honest and saying that when I found out I was going to be speaking to you about joy, again, because I did last year, um, I wasn't really excited, um, both last year and this year. Um, I sat and tried to get my heart to resonate with, with the idea of joy, to connect to the scripture and find joy in that. Um, and it was a struggle. Uh, I've had friends who are just people whose hearts overflow with joy, um, uh, who, you know, that is just part of their everyday experience. And once I convinced myself that it was actually sincere, you know, these people are a marvel to me because that's not where my heart lives most of the time, if I'm honest. Um, and I, I promise I'm okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I, my, my heart is very comfortable with peace, with contentment, but, you know, taking that step to joy, I miss that sometimes. Um, <clears throat> so um, I've long loved the season of Advent, and I know several of you have mentioned that Advent is new to you. Um, so for those of you new and haven't heard me talk about it because I love it so much, um, Advent is typically a time um, of fasting, of reflection, and of repentance. Uh, before December became a month of nonstop celebration, um, it was a time when Christians um, prepared their hearts to be in the right place to celebrate the coming of our Savior. Um, and that begins with our reflecting on our need for a Savior. The exception to that rule is today. Um, which was typically called Gaudete Sunday. And Gaudete in Latin means rejoice. Um, I remember being taught that today is a, a burst of celebration in the middle of an otherwise somber time of repentance. Um, 
because as we remember that God is still with us, he still loves us, and he's still in charge, and we celebrate his presence and await his coming, um, not with fear, but with tremendous joy. In traditions where, um, where wreaths of candle are used to mark the, the observance and the celebration, today's candle is, is pink, where the rest are purple, to highlight that difference. Um, <clears throat> and it teaches us that joy is the proper response of reflection and repentance. Um, as we look at our lives and in relationship to who God is and what he has done. There are three general areas of meditation in the season of Advent. We remember how so many waited for Jesus to come um, through the story of his birth and the promises of who he would be. Um, we look for, in hope to his coming again when he will set everything right and fulfill all those promises. And we look at our lives and the world around us that is still desperately broken and ponder how we can extend the hope, peace, joy, and love that Jesus brings to the world. So this morning we'll explore how each of these areas of meditation gives us the opportunity to find and share joy. Um, I mentioned that a lot of the expressions of joy in our culture, in my opinion, are only surface defeat this season. And while I was praying and trying to figure out how to resonate with joy, I started poking around the internet. Um, <laughs> dangerous endeavor. Um, and I discovered a lot of people are trying to figure out how to experience joy. Um, <clears throat> and they're desperate enough to look for answers that they're you know, consulting Google and Reddit. I think some of the, the, the Reddit discussion group titles kind of just broke my heart for people. Um, <clears throat> and unsurprisingly, there are lots of people out there trying to offer answers. Some of them are better than others. Um, and equally unsurprising after I discovered this and looked, uh, the statistics on people suffering from loneliness, from anxiety, from depression, depression are overwhelming and growing, apparently. And those statistics only reflect the people who are looking for help. True joy seems to elude many of us. But as we consider the joy of Mary in our scripture this morning, I hope that we will see through her story the source of joy for all of us. So <clears throat> our scripture begins in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. As I began thinking about this passage, I realized how easy it is to speculate about Mary. We don't know much about her. What we do know is that she was very young, about 14 years old. Um, she lived in an insignificant town in Judea, on the outskirts of, of the country. She was likely poor, and she was engaged to be married. She was a girl with her life before her, with hopes, plans, and expectations for the future, none of which included what happened to her. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. 
You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? I can only imagine that this entire account encounter was overwhelming. Um, being visited by an angel must be a, a, an alarming experience for anyone, and I think we see that repeated through scripture. But for a woman who lived in a culture where men prayed daily to thank God that they were not born a woman, um, hearing the message from God that begins, greetings, you who are highly favored, um, had to blow her mind. Um, she should not have been the kind of person who was highly favored. Um, not only does the angel say she's favored once, um, he repeats himself. You are favored by God. This greeting of honor, like I said, would have surprised Mary and caused a reasonable amount of confusion on top of you know, being overwhelmed by the presence of an angel. Um, and beyond this, the angel had good reason to tell Mary that she need not fear. Um, angels giving birth, birth announcements aren't you know, very unique in scripture. It's, it happens several times. But they're usually coming to those who've waited and prayed for such a thing to happen. They, as an engaged woman who was remaining faithfully abstinent in preparation for her marriage, um, finding herself pregnant was not only impossible, but undesirable. Mary's response to the angel shows her concern. From her perspective, she's a righteous, unmarried girl, and, and how could she be pregnant? You know, hey, you know, maybe you made a mistake. You <laughs> know, I'm a virgin. Um, but if it is possible, it's also a dangerous situation for her to find herself in. Um, oh, an unmarried woman who was found pregnant could legally be killed. And even if she wasn't, she risked losing her betrothed husband. Um, and we learn in Matthew that Joseph, while intending to be kind to her, wanted nothing to do with pregnant Mary until God intervened and directed him to marry her. <clears throat> As an unwed mother, practical wisdom says um, to Mary that she would be left with no one to care for her um, or her child and no honorable way to support herself. Additionally, the angel's description of Mary's son's future, um, again, would be overwhelming, I hope, to any of us. Um, being told that her son would be great, that he is the promised Messiah, um, whose kingdom will not end, must have made this announcement sound even more inconceivable. And what? How? You know? <clears throat> How does she raise someone to be prepared for this, even if it happens? Um, everything about this announcement should have ended whatever tranquility Mary had in her life. There's so much about it to give her pause um, and unnerve her. And the angel answers Mary's questions. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. 
Angel's response to Mary is one of encouragement. He uses the equally impossible incidents of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the news of which would have spread to Mary by this time, to demonstrate God's power. And for those not familiar with Elizabeth's story, her husband was visited by the same angel while he was serving as a priest before God in the temple with the announcement that his son, who would be John the Baptist, would be born. He came out of that encounter unable to speak, which caused a stir among everybody who was around, um, which was probably amplified when his elderly wife became pregnant. The angel's message is that if God can do that, he can do anything. The other encouraging element of the angel's message is less obvious, but if Mary believes that the pregnancy is possible, the other words of the angel are also true, which means that she will survive this situation and have a son, um, that he will be given the throne of David. Um, and Mary believes the angel and responds to him with acceptance of the situation. And like I said, since we know so little about Mary, it's hard not to move into speculation about what happened and what this is like. We don't know much. Um, but she agrees to participate in God's plan in spite of all of the perils to herself. Um, and the road she agrees to take is not an easy one. I imagine that she felt concerned or afraid a little bit at the position she found herself in. After, <clears throat> I doubt that after the angel left her, she went home and shared his news with her friends and family, and they celebrated the situation. Um, I think in spite of all speculation, we can probably be sure that wasn't what happened. Oh, sure, an angel, huh? <clears throat> the angel said more than once that Mary found favor with God. And the essential fa feature of those who find favor with God is that they have faith and trust in him. Even when they're placed in difficult situations, even when things seem impossible, God favors those who believe what he says. Even and especially when it sounds crazy. <clears throat> so the scripture I was assigned in Assistic 2 ends here, but I'm going to follow Mary a little longer because Mary herself explains why she finds joy in this situation. The next verse says that Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to visit Elizabeth. Um, from Nazareth, the hill country of Judea is about 70 or 80 miles as the crow flies, which isn't the way to get there, so it was longer. Um, and while I might think nothing of getting in the car and traveling 70 or 80 miles to visit a friend, that, that was a major trip at the time. It was a major trip, and it was a dangerous trip, and she, she hurried to go. And it's possible that she went to confirm the equally impossible you know, news of Elizabeth's pregnancy, um, that she went there to be encouraged in solidarity with someone who finds herself in the same situation that she was in. Um, or it's possible that she left because it's become uncomfortable at home now that the news of her pregnancy is around or to kind of put off that inevitability until later. Um, we don't know. But when Mary arrives, she is greeted with joy by Elizabeth, with a blessing. And Mary responds in joy by saying, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, 
Holy is his name. Mary's response to Elizabeth about her situation is all joy. She humbly recognizes the honor of being chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. Indeed, it's amazing that he chooses any of us to participate in her work, his work, and she recognizes that. We see that her faith has allowed her to, instead of worrying about the future, future, know she is blessed no matter what happens to her. And, you know, I've, I think I've always assumed, and I'm sure plenty of thinking, of course she was rejoicing because she's the mother of the Son of God. Um, but that didn't have to be her response. <clears throat> and without a proper fear and trust in the Lord, it likely wouldn't have been her response. While Mary marvels at her blessed state, oh wait, I skipped a pen. <laughs> um, she's an extraordinary woman and that's why she was chosen. But what makes her extraordinary is her humility and her faith and her trust in the Lord, not any other qualities that she had. Um, and she keeps her eyes on him rather than the struggles and dangers that she was going to face, which, you know, as we know, no, the story don't end with a pregnancy. You know, I don't think Mary was naive that this was going to be easy, but the knowledge that God is with her overshadows everything. And she acknowledges that the blessing that God has given her is for everyone. She says, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms and has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. I see Mary's faith in this as she uses the perfect tense, looking at the grammar. He has done this, which means she's declaring that God's work, restoring justice to the world and extending mercy to his creation, is already done, even if it's not finished. She acknowledges God's mercy and faithfulness to those who fear him. To fear the Lord is to recognize how great he is, so much greater than us, and to recognize our place in comparison with him, which is that we are thoroughly insignificant, except that he does not consider us so. God has been working for generations, not just for the good of those who lived then, but for our good and for our children's. God's work is as good as done. For as the angel tells Mary, no word from God will ever fail. <clears throat> and so just as God was faithful to protect Mary, to fulfill his promises, he will continue to be faithful to all of us, to fulfill his promises to all of humanity. God shows Mary that he is with her and she understood what an awesome and amazing thing that was. He gave Mary, in her faith and humility, a special blessed task, complete with a visit from an angel. But the good news to her is also good news to us, because, though the, because the baby she bore is also God with us. Um, in Advent, we have the opportunity to assess where our hearts are at um, and to redirect them. 
One thing Pastor Mark says often is that we live below our privilege. Um, and that's true. When we take God for granted, God who, for all of us who have put our faith and trust in him, lives in us. Um, and we focus instead on the things in our lives that are going on, on our challenges and our struggles. Um, it is easy to miss the amazing joy that should come with knowing that God is with us. Um, just uh, We return to joy as we acknowledge that our hearts are set too much on the things that are easy to see, um, rather than on God who in his mercy has hidden himself for, from us, lest he overwhelm us and terrify us, like the people, children of Israel were terrified in the desert. Um, and so this is a time for us to reset our minds and fix our eyes on him as we ask him to open the eyes of our heart and help us to see him. So I shared with my small group a few nights ago how I've been struggling with my own troubles and sadness and how in the last two weeks as um, I tried to listen to the Lord and prepare to share with you all, um, the only thing I could see was my own sadness and struggle <clears throat> to the point that earlier in this last week it was overwhelming. Um, and I cried out to God for my struggles and my situations and for what I'm sure was, you know, spiritual resistance to keep me from being prepared to share with you. And I asked others to pray for me. And at some point later in the week on Thursday, I felt God's help. I realized that most of the sadness had been lifted up from me, kind of like a yoke is lifted up. You know, not that everything got better or solved or anything, but just, you know, the lifting of the sadness. And as I saw that, I was filled with joy. As I saw how God responded to me and helped me. Mm. Um, and saw how he answered my, my small need, you know, in the scope of everything. I said earlier that I struggle to resonate with the idea of joy, but as I've reflected on the fact that God is with me and has shown me that he is present for me and, and with, you know, the things he's shown me as I studied this week, I understand why I often miss out on it. Seeing that the God who created the world, who holds it all together, respond to me in my small way um, reminds me that he'll respond to my greater needs as well. And that doesn't mean that every, things won't be difficult or sad, but God is with me through it all. And that is unfathomably amazing, you know, that God is with me. <clears throat> and what I need to do is keep my eyes on him and remember who he is. Um, and see all of the amazing things that he has done. And so, um, one more thing and then I'm done. Um, much as Mary sought the company of Elizabeth so that they could share what God has done for each of them, we also need fellowship. 
to share what God has done for us and to help each other, to help redirect our eyes toward each other. That's why we gather together each week on Sunday to, you know, to share and turn each other's eyes on Jesus. Um, And so also a plug for, you know, joining a small group or finding other people to share with throughout the week. You know, as my small group was a great blessing to me this week, um, meeting together <clears throat> as we share our stories with each other, we can see the areas that God is working in each other's lives. Um, sometimes as we share, we see new things that God has done for us that we didn't notice. Yeah. Or we have each other point out, look look what God has done for you yeah. that you didn't see. Um, and the joy that God is with us is not meant to be stored up in our own hearts but to be shared with others. And there are so many who are hurting and need us to tell our stories of who God is and what God has done for us so that they can know what he will do for them as well. God did a huge thing for Mary. He shows us what he values by honoring the faith of a girl who, by all worldly measure, was insignificant, making her the mother of his son. He did a greater thing for all of us by sending his son to heal the breach between us and God because we have chosen to go our own ways and turn away from him. And by doing this, we all have the opportunity of the joy that comes from experiencing his presence and care in both small ways and large. Thanks be to God.